On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition podcast, I get to speak with Darshan Mehta, and he's the founder of iResearch.com, an insights platform to quickly and affordably extract insights from consumers all over the world, and ConnectQuick.com, an app for instant connections and engaging interactions. And he plans to launch Big Mango Startup Hub in collaboration with King Monks University of Technology on Thurnbury in Bangkok, Thailand. In addition to his roles at iResearch and ConnectQuick, Mr. Meta has taught at the George Washington University in Washington, D.C., at the University of Gothenburg in Sweden, and the Tomaset University in Thailand, and Sciences Po in France, and the Franklin University in Switzerland. Darshan's book, Getting to AHA, Why Today's Insights Are Tomorrow's Facts, is being released this year. So you're in for a treat. We've got lots of quotable moments from him. But before we get to that, let's talk about iBuyDirect. That's E-Y-E, like for your eyes, <laughs> iBuyDirect. It's an offer to get your frames and glasses with two-day delivery. And you can sign up using my link at peppershock.com offers, and you'll get $10 in EBD credits just for creating an account. Seriously, that's all you ought to do. And then you can use those $10 with different offers as well, 15% off plus free shipping or 25% off frames and 50% off of lenses and designers. Thank you so much. And go to peppershock.com slash offers and get your $10 off your I buy direct glasses. I have them. They're great. They work well. First, I was a little nervous, but it worked out. And now I actually did multiple pairs. So I have ones that match <laughs> with whatever I'm doing. And now it's time for your marketing essentials moment, the essentials that you need to build your brand and your bottom line. So I wanted to dig in just a little bit more in what your GTM might be, your go-to market strategy, just things to think about as you put together your strategy and what you're going to do to think about all of the efforts and things that you're going to put together. So if you want to start with a GTM, your go-to market strategy, then you're going to think about your business case. What is it that you're trying to solve? What audience are you trying to market to? What is it that you want to do in your market space and place? Are you identifying a problem and solving it? Are you even creating something that people don't even know that they have a problem? And so until you can educate them and allow them to understand what it is that you're solving, what kinds of things can you think about with this target audience that you want to attract? And it can change too as you start to dig in and do some research and understand your market and your client and what motivates them to buy from you and thinking about the journey that they're going to go through in order to find you and get to what it is that you have for them as a product or service. And what are you going to do to test it out? Once you've got this ideal client in mind and you're thinking about all the ways that you're going to reach them. Now you want to test it out and whether it's surveying or focusing or doing some beta testing or a pilot program or whatever it is you want to call it, what is it that you're going to do to glean from that information before you go really big, right? You want to make sure that you've tested the messaging, the, the meat of the presentation that you're going to present to them, the experience that you want them to have when they buy from you, right? So think about what is it that you're going to do as you're putting this plan together, what is your case? What, what is it that you're going to do to solve and give them benefits and give them the rationale of why this product is going to be different than anybody else? And we talk about this in our podcast today. So 
thinking about your strategy for the market that you want to expand or grow, or maybe even make a completely new market, the pricing, the structure that you're going to, you know, price that at and what's going to work, what's not going to work and testing those out, the sales and support that you need to service the, the product that you're selling or the service that you're doing, the tools that you're going to use, the tech stack that you're going to implement and, and, and use and test out and connect together the service support and how you're going to continue to retain those clients if it's something that's ongoing or if it's just a one-off thing. What is it that you can do with your roadmap of the journey that your potential client and the new client will go through? And what kind of external marketing help are you going to need? What kind of things do you not know how to do that you need to rely on others to do? And maybe it's just because you don't have the time and maybe it's because you don't have the talent and it's going to take you a lot longer to figure it out on your own than just hire somebody to do what they do best, right? So thinking about your external and then internal, what are you going to do internally? What's that division of duties going to look like in order to have internal marketing as well as external? What kind of PR and advertising are you going to do? Who's going to be responsible for each of those components? And how is it going to be communicated? What kind of tonality and voice will you have in your brand? And then, of course, budgeting and thinking about what those KPIs are, the kept promise indicators or key performance indicators. But what kinds of metrics are you going to use to make sure that what you're doing is actually working? And, and what is it that you need to do to change up and tweak just a little bit to make it work even better? Those are all things to consider before you even start, <laughs> before you even get this product to market, right? And it can actually do and work in tandem as you're developing your product or service. Thinking about marketing now before you actually even get it done is, is not too soon. And, and thinking about marketing first could also help you in, in terms of who you're solving the solution that you're going to offer to people. So think about how you can use your market strategy along with what it is that you're developing. And now let's hear from our guest today. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. And today's guest, we have Darshan Mehta. Welcome to the show, Darshan. Thank you, Ray. P pleasure to be here. Excellent. So let's just tell our audience a little bit more about you and what got you to where you are now. Sure. Uh, I was born in India and I came to the U.S. when I was four. And I realized in college that I really like uh, solving case studies. And uh, I like, you know, ferreting through all the noise that we have in business and getting to what I think is the bottleneck or the real issue. And so I really liked it. I went into consulting, management consulting, and then I uh, veered my way towards branding, marketing, advertising, and market research. And I've been doing it for 20 some years. And I just really enjoy uh, chasing insights and getting to those aha moments. Yeah, that's aha, not haha, right? <laughs> Sometimes about a little bit of both is okay too. So. A little bit of both. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, you told me that you're actually in Bangkok now. Tell me what got you from, because you said you came to America and, and why are you in Bangkok right now? I'm actually doing some work here and I'm also uh, setting up a uh, incubation program with the university here, one of the top uh, technology universities. I think there's a real opportunity for the next couple of decades here in Asia 
And I think the startup scene is uh, really gearing up and there's opportunities here for startups. Uh, interesting enough, I think even startups in the U.S. or Europe could consider actually incubating here because the cost is much lower, but the infrastructure is quite amazing. And that's a great test market for a lot of products. So they could actually incubate here for a lot less. So tell me more about this incubator program. What are what are you seeing some trends right now happening in where people are going through these incubators or accelerators or, you know, lots of different names for them. But what are some things that you're seeing that is happening or occurring because of these incubators that are kind of popping up in lots of different places, right? Yeah, I think it's encouraging a lot of people and especially post-COVID. You know, I think uh, a lot of people are thinking, hey, what can I do on my own so I can control my time, my destiny, and really do something that I'm passionate about and want to make a you know, an impact in the world. So we're seeing lots of interesting things related to the environment, as well as, you know, in in terms of making things faster and cheaper financially. Uh, And also lots of services for taking care of uh, things in the home or pets. So we're seeing lots of entrepreneurs trying to come up with interesting ideas. I think the biggest challenge most of them have is really, they often um, emulate others where they need to think more about how to differentiate themselves so that ultimately they can brand themselves and be distinct in the marketplace. And part of it is they also need more strategic help and they really should do a little bit more research as well to find out where the uh, product market fit really is for their idea. And that's where the incubators come in to really help them to formalize that and to get to that point. Oh, I love that. I think it's, you know, they always say two brains are better than one. Well, if you've got a team of people supporting you, guiding you, giving you, you know, all the things that you need, all the tools that you need to help start your idea and your business and, and make that happen. I love, I love seeing it when people can take their idea and, you know, make it turn into something, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It solves a problem or saves them time or makes something easier and they're willing to pay for it. And then it's really, you know, quite uh, a fun experience for the entrepreneur and the startup. Absolutely. What are some examples of some incubators that you're seeing that uh, have, you know, kind of going through that journey, going through that path, getting their go-to market strategy set up? I mean, what can you share with us of an example that you've seen that's working really well? Actually, uh, Cloud Kitchen is an interesting example. There's a Cloud Kitchen uh, here that's done quite well, and they're using a lot of analytics so, for example, a cloud kitchen is basically a kitchen that uh, is in a small area and they don't have any retail uh, location at all. And they basically use the existing platforms um, for, uh, you know, matching up uh, people who want to have delivered food to them. And then they look at the various uh, options in there. And some of these cloud kitchens are realizing they can actually run the kitchen 24-7, but have multiple brands, even though they're using the same kitchen, but they can have uh, distinct brands so that it's very clear in the mind of the consumer. So let's say you're looking for an all noodle shop with all kinds of options for noodles. Well, it might be the same kitchen that's, uh, you know, has another brand within the app, but it's much more efficient operation and they are doing quite well. And the other thing, they're also using a lot of analytics so they know what is really popular in their area and uh, their radius of service so that they can really, uh, you know, perfect the recipes and what people want in that area. That's fantastic. I know in our area, we have 
uh, something called Crave Delivery. And similar, like they have different brands from different world renowned chefs from all over, but they've come together in one space and people can order different options. I mean, if you've got somebody who's gluten free or if you've got somebody who, you know, is having a craving for, for tacos, but somebody else wants burgers or, you know, variety, then you can have all that in one delivery. Is that what's happening with Cloud Kitchen there? Yeah, it's and, and I think in the in the West they might call it ghost kitchens, but I just read recently that I think uh, the Association for Restaurants is actually saying that restaurants will never be the same again, and I think they're going to see a considerable increase in these types of cloud kitchens or ghost kitchens that basically uh, offer many options, uh, but uh, on the back end, customers don't know that they may be doing multiple different brands from the same kitchen. That's fantastic. What are some other examples? What are other incubators that are going through the process now? Actually, we're just, uh, we just opened it up and we, we just got uh, another application of about 36. Our deadline is the end of February. And I think we're going to expect maybe uh, that to double by then. So we're seeing all kinds of different things from uh, people developing new ways to uh, recycle plastics and pellets and come up with products to uh, companies that are offering actually uh, online uh, vet services for your pet so that if something happens, you can get immediate access to a vet and uh, get diagnosis and help so that you don't have to wait a long time to bring the pet to the veterinarian and so on, and you can get immediate help. So there are all kinds of interesting ideas, but I think the essence of a lot of them that are going to do well are the ones that either save time, money, or make something easier. And I think, you know, if they can do one or all three of them, they're going to be uh, quite successful, especially if they can do all three. But I think if they can add another component, which is actually evoke an emotion with what they're offering in terms of the product or service, then I think their ability to become successful uh, multiplies considerably. And I don't know what that factor is. It could be 6X, 10X, 12X, I'm not sure. It depends on the emotion they evoke because then they're going to not only have a very satisfied customer, but more than likely they're going to share that experience with others which is going to accelerate their growth. That's fantastic. It seems like the more conveniences that we can get, the, the more the consumers just want all of those convenience. And like you said, the emotion that they bring and the ability to serve those and solve those problems that people may not even know that they have yet until it's introduced to them, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of things that are changing now is I think consumers are now buying experiences versus just products. And they're looking at experiences. They may even get, let's say, go into an amusement park but they're looking at, let's say, the way they're waiting in a line and that experience is made very entertaining, fun, engaging. They're actually expecting that in other areas as well. It may not be related to an amusement park, but in other areas. So, you know, people are looking for more experiences to distinguish your product and service. And if you can really deliver on that, I think you're going to be successful. Absolutely. You know, we went to Disneyland and same thing with the idea of the app to be able to you know, get your place in line so you didn't have to stay in line as long because you knew the timing of when you could go on that ride. And you're right, they had games and things that you could do on the app and, you know, things to kind of pass the time by that that made it more interesting or fun. And you're not just standing in line in the hot heat, right? <laughs> well, I think I, I read recently that, uh, you know, they have a Harry Potter ride and most people actually just go to wait in the line for 45 minutes and actually skip the ride but they find the wait in the line so interesting and engaging with all the things we're doing that it's, it's really interesting that they're actually there for the experience of the wait versus the actual ride. 
it's a whole new world back you know when i was younger it wasn't like that you just waited in line there was no fast pass there was no you know games to play along the way you're right so okay let's talk a little bit more about you and kind of your journey i you know i i read your bio i mean there's lots of wonderful things in there that you've done and accomplished what do you think that if you knew what you know now if you knew back then what's that thing that you wish you would have known that you could have told yourself a few years ago. <laughs> sure. The, the younger version of myself. Um, I recently read a book called Getting to Aha, where I said today's insights are tomorrow's facts. And I wish that I had that revelation much earlier on because it would have uh, really helped quite a bit. And basically what I've learned over the years in pursuing uh, insights for clients and customers is they're really all around us. And what we really need to do more than anything is to have more conversations. And I think, in our busy digital lives these days, we're just not having enough conversations, but those insights are just kind of laying around, as I say, uh, waiting to be tapped into. And I wish I'd known that much earlier on. I think uh, that would have been uh, very helpful. Okay. So all of those that are listening now, they need to pay attention to that early on, right? <laughs> what are some challenges that you've overcome in, in getting to where you are now? Like what, what kind of setbacks did you have along the way? Oh, <laughs> there's countless, but I think uh, the, the good thing is I, I've been fairly positive about them and I've used those as a, as a learning point. And I've often seen that oftentimes when you're quite aggravated or uh, annoyed or even feel defeated, that's usually the opportunity to learn and grow. And you actually come out better on the other end. I've had all kinds of challenges, you know, developing my software to, uh, you know, even running the business. And those are all things that I think many of us experience in many different ways. But I think the best thing to recognize is that things do go in waves and cycles. Uh, and I've learned that oftentimes when things are at their worst, chances are they're going to get much better soon. But also I've learned when things are going great and you think you're on top of the mountain, be careful because there might be something that's going to maybe uh, change that a little bit. <laughs> right, right. That's the, uh, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've experienced that myself. <laughs> um, okay, so what are some things that you've done to help other people along the way in, in your journey? I mean, we all get mentored, but you can also be a mentor or mentee. What have you done to help others? I've done a lot of teaching where I've helped uh, students become better presenters on how to do pitches, but also just better presenters in terms of visual and in their, in their content. And that's something I've really enjoyed doing. I've tried to uh, do consulting about 80% of the time and then to teach about 20. And I've learned that when you teach, you actually get a 360 perspective on the subject matter. Uh, and it's just, a, it's a great way to get back. And the thing is, students really keep you on your toes, right? They, they, they bring up new, fresh ideas and perspectives that challenge and make you think. And one of the things I really enjoy teaching them is the Q&A portion of doing presentations. Because as you know, a lot of times the Q&A part can actually make or break an entire presentation. And the challenge there is to think on your feet, but also to make sure you answer the questions and uh, you know, do them with a professional, composed manner. Because you know you're always going to get those one or two questions that are like doozies or they're attacking you. Yeah. But I always uh, tell students, you know, maintain your composure and, mm -hmm. you know, treat every question as if it's the best question you've ever had. Yeah, no, I love that too. And and you're right. Teaching absolutely gives you that view of, you know, being able to learn from your students just as much as the students get to learn from you if you're open to it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I also teach a, a class at, at Boise State once once a week, a marketing class. And 
it, it is it's it is refreshing to to know what these young minds and not all of them are young but the young minds can bring and and share with you and you know what what's happening and trending in their world right because they're you know most of them are you know out of high school and and i teach uh, juniors and seniors so they're you know getting a little bit older and, and ready to start to you know think about their career and giving those you know career advice so so if you were in that position where you were able to tell somebody who's about to embark on their career right after college, you know, what are some, what are some tips or things that you could think to, t to say to them if uh, they were about ready to graduate and you could share your wisdom, what would you say? I would say that they should really think about instead of following the traditional path, you know, get the job, do this and the path that society gives you, they may want to actually think about what lifestyle they want. In other words, you know, set their North star and say, Hey, this is what I want to be doing, living, and uh, this is the kind of uh, lifestyle I want five years from now. And once you do that, then I think you, you'll make a lot of decisions to try to get to that point. Because when you're young and you still haven't uh, had a lot of commitments and you're coming out, that's the time when you can actually shape and mold your lifestyle. And I believe that you know necessity is the mother of inventions. So if you kind of map out the type of lifestyle you want, then I think you can then make decisions to try to get there. Uh, but oftentimes people follow a traditional path and later on decide, Hey, you know, I don't really like what I'm doing. I'd rather be doing this or I'd rather have this as my lifestyle. And sometimes that becomes a little bit harder to shift or change later on. Uh, that's good advice for sure. Since we are going on a marketing journey and I know you have a wealth of knowledge in this area, what are some things that you, once you have your incubators and maybe some others that you've, you know, counseled before or coached or, or consulted with before, what are some kind of primary basic, you know, things that we can think of when we're about to go on that journey and do a, a market strategy that, you know, enters the marketplace? I mean, what are just some thoughts that come to mind that we can share with those who might be thinking about, you know, starting their own business? Sure. I think, uh, you know, we live in a very hyper competitive environment. Uh, in many ways, you're not only just competing with the person down the street, or in the same state, you may be competing with someone around the world. So I think the real key to being successful over the long run and to thrive versus just surviving is you really need to differentiate yourself. And that requires also innovating on a constant basis. And I think that requires a couple of different things mindset-wise. In some ways, you really can't control what competitors are going to do, but you can control what you do. So I would encourage you to have the mindset of become your biggest competitor. And it's okay if you become obsolete because you've introduced a new product that way you control it but i think if you you know strive to innovate to differentiate and become your biggest competitor you're going to be on a path to actually thrive versus just survive wow that's a quotable moment right there <laughs> i love it innovate to differentiate uh that's awesome parting thoughts uh, i wanted to talk more about your book and where people can you know get get that information, but just give us a brief overview. You touched the base on it a little bit, but getting to aha, correct? Yeah. Basically what I'm trying to do is I share, I, I share a lot of examples and stories in the book to, to try to tell you how some companies have had aha moments and others have not and what's happened to them as a result of it. But I also talk about certain trends that I think are happening. One of them I talked about is people are buying experiences versus uh, products these days. And I think, you know, when you need to change maybe the mindset of what you're going to be doing with your brand and think about experiences and, you know, experience starts from the very beginning, 
from when they even discover or think about that your category, your product, and even before maybe, maybe they even heard of your brand. Uh, but then it extends all the way through post-purchase and the experience they're going to have in the long run. And ultimately, you really need to think about having relationships with your customer because ultimately you want to build trust. And if you can you know, build a trust and a relationship with your customers, they're going to be loyal. And that's the key to, again, as we talked about a minute ago, thriving. And the other thing I talk about innovation-wise, I think there's a real trend going on where we are seeing blending of things. For example, who would have guessed uh, you know, uh, putting uh, Doritos and uh, Taco Bell together. But when they did, it was such a hit. And it just made common sense. <laughs> and I think you're going to see things like that happening. And even, you know, teaching, I'm sure you've seen this. A lot of the students that I teach now, you know, they're coming from multicultural backgrounds. Their parents are from two different countries, you know, and these kids have traveled and seen a lot of the world at a very young age. So I think you're seeing a lot more, you're seeing it in restaurants, right? Fusion cooking and stuff. So you got to think, you got to see more and more things that are being combined to create new products, new experiences, uh, and even new tastes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I like that uh, thought a lot about how everyone is from different cultures, different backgrounds coming together. And yeah, with now mixed in with the the culture, you know, of America, the melting pot of America that's coming through. It's 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 fascinating and fun to see and and uh, the food. I mean, oh my goodness, I can only imagine the food where you're at right now. Tell me about that. Well, I have to tell you, if you've never been to uh, Thailand, I think it's one of the places where that's the best mix of East and West. And you can literally get any cuisine you want here that's really top notch. I've had some of the best Italian food here, French food. Uh, it's, it's quite amazing because you have a lot of expats that come from all over the world and they really have uh, amazing food and they're quite innovative. There's always something new going on, on in the food scene here. So uh, if you like to travel and you enjoy good food, uh, Bangkok uh, and, and Thailand in general is, is definitely a good option to consider. Oh, I'm getting hungry. Apparently it's, it's lunchtime here. So, <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, and, and Darshan, can you share uh, how people can get a hold of you and your book and uh, all things that you're doing now? Sure. Getting to AHA is available on Amazon. And you can also come to my website or just send me an email directly at dm at iresearch.com. Excellent. All right. Any parting thoughts, last words of, of wisdom for our uh, marketing expedition that we're going on here today? I think we tapped into quite a few of them. So thank you very much. It was a great conversation. I enjoyed talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. And for those of you who are listening now, the best thing that you could do for both of us is give us a review, share this out with the world and uh, go buy the book. I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to read it too. <laughs> thank you very much, Ray. All right. And until next time, everybody, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.